You're listening to Comedy Central. While Russia is threatening to violate Ukraine's sovereignty, they're already violating the rules of the Olympics. And it's causing a huge controversy in the world of figure skating. With the world watching her every move, this morning, 15-year-old Russian figure skater Kamila Valieva is set to take to the ice, despite testing positive for an illegal performance-enhancing substance before the games. A positive drug test is gonna be on the ice here in a few hours, skating at the Olympic Games. I cannot believe I just said that sentence. The IOC now saying that Valieva claims there was a mix-up with her grandfather's heart medication. An international court deciding she can still compete while they investigate further. In response, the IOC saying if Valieva lands in the top three, there will be no medals handed out until the investigation is complete. I can't believe they caught someone cheating and they're still letting her compete while they investigate more. Like, guys, it almost feels like the investigation is not about whether she cheated or not. It's almost like the real investigation here is, okay, let's, let's see what these drugs can do. Let it rip. Well, come on, let's just see. We just, well, we wanna know, right? Everybody wants to know. I also know that nobody believes her excuse, right? That she accidentally took her grandfather's heart medication, but I do. I believe her. Because I know what it was like growing up, me and my family, we always had a big bowl of loose pills all mixed together. It's an easy mistake to make. Is this one yours? I don't know. I know my estrogen has changed, grandma but I don't know. Meanwhile, everyone's obsessed with this girl and the pills, that's all everyone's talking about. They're like, this 15 year old took the pills and she did this. Yeah, everyone's focusing on, no one is focusing on the fact that her grandpa took her medication. Now he's dominating bingo at the old folks home. I will say, you know, like one of the things that shocked me about this story is that I've always pictured performance enhancing drugs and steroids for things that you need like power for. Do you know what I mean? Like, like extreme power, sprinting, lifting, brrr. I never thought I'd see the day where a figure skater would be injecting themselves. It's just like, all right, let's go! Now, a lot of people are scratching their heads. A lot of people have been asking this online saying, why? Why is it that this Russian skater is still being allowed to compete in the Olympics when Shikari Richardson, remember her? She was kicked out of the Olympics after she smoked weed. Yeah, but apparently the reason for this, and I, I just found this out, is that one difference is that if you're a minor in sports and you get caught doping, they give you more leeway because you're young and you're impressionable and you may not be in control of what you're putting into your body. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's a pretty big loophole in the anti-doping rules. Like I'm not saying Russia had this minor take steroids on purpose because they knew she wouldn't get in trouble, but if they did do it on purpose, I mean, you gotta admit that's a pretty slick move, you know? It's the same reason drug dealers put kids out on the corner. They're like, shit, the worst thing you get is juvie, come on, man. But again, I'm not saying that Russia did this on purpose. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, don't be shocked when later this week, they use 15-year-olds to invade Ukraine. The new culture war raging across America is over books, AKA movies without the cool sound effects. Yeah, I always think the movies are better. I'm gonna read a book and then I gotta do it myself. Pew, 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 said Harry Potter. Now, even though most kids only read books in school to hide their erections, some parents and politicians have suddenly gotten very concerned about which books are available in schools. And they're dealing with this problem that they invented, by the way, in a time-honored way with a good old-fashioned book ban. According to the New York Times, the pace at which groups of parents and officials and lawmakers are challenging books in school libraries has reached a speed that many haven't seen in decades. Just since the start of the school year, 
the American Library Association has tracked more than 230 book challenges nationwide. Parents and school officials banning books at an unprecedented rate. Record requests to nearly 100 Texas districts found that during the first four months of this school year, parents made at least 75 formal complaints, compared to only one filed during the same period last year. A Virginia school district is pulling library books off of the shelves, and some board members say they want to burn them. I want to look at every book that you guys, a copy of every book that is brought, pulled out of, out of circulation. I'm sure we've got hundreds of people out there that would like to see those books before we burn them. They want to burn books? Burn books. We're not in the 1900s. We're living in 2022. We shouldn't be burning books. We have air fryers and microwaves and all kinds of cool shit now. We could be like filleting the books. You know, we could be lightly roasting the books, put some butter and some salt. Ooh, you taste that book now? Mmm, that's food for thought. See what I did there? But yeah, that's the situation right now. Parents across the country are trying to get books banned from certain schools, right? And I'll be honest, if I was a kid in school right now, I would jump in and use this outrage to my advantage. Yeah, the parents would all be there like, we have to get these books off the shelves. Yeah, and don't forget the trigonometry textbooks and the yearbook where I had that weird rash on my face. Burn them all. Now, I'll be honest, people. I don't know if these culture warriors have thought this through because making something forbidden just makes teenagers want it more. Think about it. Anytime, anytime parents would say something would make them mad, what would happen? Their kids would want to do it even more. Yeah, now they're gonna be like, no books for these kids. You keep this up and soon, reading books is gonna be the new dating a black guy. And look, there have always been, don't get me wrong, there've always been some parents who've wanted books pulled from schools and libraries. That's always been a thing. You know, like conservatives wanted to ban Harry Potter for promoting witchcraft. Liberals wanna ban Huckleberry Finn for using the N-word. Mockingbirds wanna burn that book about killing them. But recently, Recently, the number of books being targeted has gotten out of control. And the types of books that are being targeted now are very revealing. Books on race, gender, and sexuality are disappearing from school shelves. Books about coming of age and reckoning with real world problems like depression, gender politics, and racial injustice. History like the Holocaust or slavery. One Tennessee district banning Mouse, a Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel about the Holocaust. One tells a story of school segregation through the eyes of Mexican American students. One is about the March on Washington, and two, are about civil rights icon Ruby Bridges. One parent even asked the district to remove a biography of Michelle Obama, arguing the book promotes reverse racism. The district denied the request. I can't believe these people want to ban a Michelle Obama biography. It's a biography. That totally gives away the game that this is more about ginning up a culture war than protecting kids. Because once you're banning a book about any first lady, that's political. I don't care what anybody says. There's no book about a first lady that's controversial, you know? Unless maybe it's like Martha Jefferson's book, 101 Tips for Owning Slave Children Who Kinda Look Like My Husband. Yeah, that's a little edgy for the kids, but otherwise, it's pretty chill. And you can see how crazy this book banning trend has gotten, right? They're banning books about race, about gender, about sexuality, about emotions, about history. Guys, that's all books. Think about it, you, you take away all of those books and what are you gonna be left with, huh? A how-to book about making pottery? Wrong! That vase is too sexy. 
also can't believe that they're gonna ban Ruby Bridges. You understand how crazy that is? You're gonna ban a book about Ruby Bridges. So that poor girl needed the National Guard to get her into school. Now they're gonna have the National Guard escort her out. And look, I'm not saying that schools shouldn't be allowed to curate what books they carry. I'm not saying that. I know people are gonna say, you're saying that the schools shouldn't get to decide for themselves. No, I'm not saying, I'm exactly not saying that. But you are saying, I'm not saying that. Libraries have always decided which books are in and which books are not in. Like you can't have a Playboy in the school library. I mean, I did it, but I brought it in myself. They didn't stock it for me. They just gave me the space to read it. But I guarantee you, the vast majority of schools don't even have the most outrageous books that are on these lists. What's happening here, what's happening here is that people are finding the most scary parts of the most scary books. And then they're making a bad faith argument that kids are being bombarded with all of this stuff. So all the books have to go. And that happens even if you try and talk about books. Like if I say books shouldn't be banned, I know someone's gonna pull out the most extreme example from some random library at a school and be like, oh really, Trevor? You're okay with kids reading this? And I don't know, maybe I'm not. But now we're arguing about one page in one book as if that's the story, when the actual story is people are using these books as an excuse to go after all the books that they don't like. Because again, people, this isn't about books, all right? This is about keeping the culture war going for political benefits. You, you don't just have Republicans in dozens of states around the country suddenly realizing all at the same time that there are books that they want to ban in their libraries all at the same time. Come on. It's happening because they think it's a winning issue, or at least they think it's more of a winning issue than Trump is secretly still the president. But I am. Shut up. You're gonna make us lose. And the problem with waging a culture war instead of debating a political issue is that when people are fighting a war, they don't want to just win an argument. No, they wanna punish the enemy. In Wyoming, a county prosecutor's office considered charges against library employees for stocking books like Sex is a Funny Word and This Book is Gay. In Oklahoma, a bill sets a $10,000 bounty to be collected by parents for each day a challenged book remains on library shelves. Texas Governor Greg Abbott called for criminal charges against staff who provide kids with pornographic books. School librarians fearing for their own safety now over books. Many of us have had to take measures in our personal lives that we never would have imagined we'd had to do because of our profession. Wow, people, are you, are you seeing this? You seeing this, in, like, this is the interview an insider gives when they're ratting out El Chapo. Not when they've exposed the magical friendship between a pig and a spider. I mean, think, just think about how insane things have gotten, where school librarians feel scared for their safety. They've got these crazy parents coming after them on top of all the other stuff that they have to worry about on a daily basis. School shootings, COVID, their students finding out that they just made up the Dewey Decimal System to sound smarter than everyone else. This book is by Dr. Seuss. Is that under S? <laughs> no, actually, that book's in 791.45 slash 75, you idiot! <laughs> and look, man, it's one thing for parents to be upset about a, a book that their kid is reading at school. But once you offer a $10,000 bounty, think about what you're doing there. Now, you're using money to just try and stir up shit. I mean, of course, people are gonna start combing the shelves for anything that might pay out. 10 grand is a lot of money. 10 grand for banning a book is more than most authors made for writing that book. So that's the latest culture war that's tearing America apart. It's happening in schools. And who knows if it'll even stop there? Because maybe it'll start in schools, but pretty soon, any place the kids go to to find books could become a target.
Hey y'all, LeVar Burton here, and I am so excited to read with you today. Our first selection is called Rosa, and it's the story of Rosa Parks, who... So, as it turns out, that book is banned because reading about segregation is divisive. But since almost any book with black people these days is considered divisive, here's one that doesn't have any people in it at all. It's about two penguins and their little baby. Both penguins are boys. Well, I'm told that that book is also banned because of sexual perversion, which is weird because there's no sex in the book at all. Y'all, they adopted the baby. What do you guys want, a mommy and a daddy penguin so the kids can make sure that the penguins are knocking boots? All right, I've got one that they can't possibly have a problem with. Hop on pop. What? Disrespectful to parents. You gotta be kidding me. All right, listen, there, there are plenty of books to choose from. But you know what? No. Read the books they don't want you to. That's where the good stuff is. Oh shit, they're coming. Read banned books! Woo! Stay safe, LeVar. The British royal family. The only people who think chess is a representative game. Look, there's me, and there's you, and there's the people who pay us. <laughs> Yesterday marked Queen Elizabeth's 70th year on the throne, making her the longest serving monarch in British history, which must be nice for all of those people who've been shouting, long live the queen. Yeah, cause now they can be like, yeah, you see, we did that. Now, as part of the anniversary observance, the family has announced that if and when Queen Elizabeth dies and her son Charles becomes king, his wife Camilla will be crowned alongside him as queen. And I don't know if you remember, but when Camilla first started dating Charles, people said that she could never be queen because their relationship started as an affair. So this is huge, this is a huge, huge deal. And I also think it's the right move because can you imagine how awkward it was gonna be otherwise if every time Charles and Camilla walked in a room and the royal announcer would be like, presenting the King of England and presenting uh, his side piece. But while I'm sure the royals would love to be focusing on the future of the family, unfortunately, they've been forced to deal with a scandal from their past. You see, for decades, Elizabeth's second son, Prince Andrew, he was rolling deep with Jeffrey Epstein. And after years of fighting allegations that he had done anything wrong, it looks like he's finally throwing in the towel. Tonight, Prince Andrew dramatically averting a court battle, not admitting liability, but not clearing his name. Virginia Dufry claimed she was sexually assaulted by the prince when she was 17 years old, trafficked by Epstein. The 61-year-old prince will pay his accuser, Virginia Dufry, a reported $10 million and make a substantial donation to her charity in support of victims' rights. Of course, questions saying, is it Prince Andrew's money? We know that he's sold his Swiss ski chalet reputedly for about 18 million but many people saying the queen is helping to foot the bill yeah that's right after years of fighting prince andrew has finally settled with virginia jufre and although it's not perfect justice i mean it is something you know to be honest i almost feel like this guy got off easy because yeah it is 10 million dollars but you're from the royal family think about it 
$10 million is like one jewel from one of their crowns. And this has got to suck for the queen. Like, imagine having to use the money that you earned to... I guess you didn't, like, earn it, but I mean... Imagine, like, working hard your whole life. Oh, oh, I mean, she doesn't really work. Um, you, You get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. The point is, the queen didn't get into the royal business to do stuff like this, right? She got into it to steal spices from India. It's about that life. And I can tell you now, this is probably where she misses the days when she could just chop off people's heads. You know, because back in the day, with this thing happening with Andrew, the queen would have just been like, Andrew, I dropped my contact lens. Would you bend down and pick it up? Where, mommy? (laughs) 10 million saved. Oh, and by the way, the next time your mom complains about you asking her for rent money, you just show her the story and remind her, it could be way worse. But let's move on. If you're tired of the same old, same old dating app scene, where you swipe right on the cute guy, he swindles you out of thousands of dollars, blah, 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 blah. Then good news. Tinder is now offering a blind date feature on the app. Yeah. Because usually when you're scrolling through people, you first see their picture, right? And then you decide right away whether you're too good looking for them or they're too good looking for you. But now, Tinder is just gonna ask you questions. And then what they're gonna do is they're gonna match you with someone based on your responses. Then you have a chat with them. And then if you both like each other, Tinder will show you their pictures, which is great. Because if they stop talking to you at that point, then you know immediately that you're ugly. And you know, it's so funny how tech companies came out like they're the future. They're gonna show us new things. But then as time goes on, they seem to invent stuff that already exists. Like blind dates. It's the future of dating. No, people in the Middle Ages were like, all our dates are blind. And I'm sorry, but you can't really recreate blind dates unless you also recreate the part where your mutual friend tries to talk the other person up whilst also avoiding their faults. That's a key part of blind dates. Yeah, he's like super good at cooking and he loves to read. Interesting. So does he have a job? As I said, he loves to read. Eh? I also have to mention that this blind dating scheme that Tinder's running, this is discriminatory towards hot, dumb, boring people. You realize you're taking away their greatest assets. People with good personalities, they're gonna do fine in this situation. They can meet people in person, they can charm them. All some people have is a six pack. They don't even know that they have a six pack because they can't count that high. All right, but let's move on to a story coming from my home country, South Africa. Yeah, it's not the most creatively named country, but you always know where to find us. It's been almost 10 years since the passing of South Africa's first democratically elected president, Nelson Mandela. And for those of you who don't know, Nelson Mandela was basically the Martin Luther King of our Harriet Tubmans. And everywhere you go in South Africa, there are reminders of how great he is. Like there are statues, uh, there are bridges named after him. There's whole neighborhoods that bear his name. But now there's a new fancier way for people who want to celebrate his legacy. The former home of Nelson Mandela is now a luxury hotel. It's called Sanctuary Mandela, and it was Mandela's first home in Johannesburg after being released from 27 years in prison. South Africa's first black president lived there for six years. It now can host 18 guests, and 18 guests rather, and is adorned with Mandela memorabilia. Even Madiba's former cook is on staff there helping to prepare meals. Rooms range from $250 to as much as $1,000 a night. Yeah, that's right. Nelson Mandela's old house has been turned into a luxury hotel. And I mean, 
I guess this is just the fate of every historic building now, right? Because if you think about it, half of the old buildings around the world are now either a bank, an Apple store, or a CVS. That's it. I wouldn't be shocked if in like 100 years, the White House is going to be turned into Jeff Bezos' dog's weekend place. Now, some people think that it doesn't make sense for the home of the man who fought inequality to be turned into a luxury hotel. But it does. It actually does. And it really does if you remember one of Mandela's most famous quotes when he said, Do not judge me by the color of my skin, but rather judge me by the thread count of these Egyptian cotton sheets falling out of control. It was a powerful speech. We cried that day. (laughs) We cried that day. Also, you know, when you're staying at the Nelson Mandela Hotel, good luck fighting the minibar charges that you think are unfair. Just gonna be at the front desk like, hi, excuse me, I think I was unfairly charged for a bag of pistachios. Madam, let me tell you about unfair charges. So yeah, look, this is gonna come with its pros and its cons. People are gonna be for it and against it. And I guess it will be good for the people who work there and maybe some of the community, but you gotta admit, man, at the same time, it does feel a little disrespectful for everything that Nelson Mandela went through, you know? He's gonna pay some money and you can sleep in his house? You know what he had to do to get to that house? You know what they should do? They should, they should say for every night that you stay in the hotel, you should also have to spend a night in an apartheid prison. Yeah, now you're getting the full experience. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.